Hey everybody, it's another episode of Irish Mike's Podcast. I'm Irish Mike, and I'm excited you are here. Reminder that each of these episodes is brought to you by our little store, Blacksmith Trading Company. In our store, you can find our handmade small batch bitters, men's grooming items, and our newest additions, whiskey and tobacco-scented candles. Find out more information at blacksmithtradingco.com or, of course, the home site, irishmikesmith.com. My guest today is Tim Cruikshank, retired U.S. Navy SEAL and founder of Bonefrog Coffee and Bonefrog Cellars. The coffee and the wine business are designed to remember the fallen, those men and women who have gone before us and have served in the United States military and perpetuating their stories and their legacies as we they can have fought for our freedom and defended our great country. In today's show, Tim will share with us where and how he got that vision, how it came to be, some of the partnerships that he's put together in Washington State. At the end, you will learn how you can support not only the coffee and the wine and have it delivered to your home, but also some of the great veterans initiatives that some of the funds from each of these products goes to help serve. You definitely have to check out the website, bonefrogcoffee.com and bonefrogsellers.com. They are fantastic, and I imagine they're going to win awards specifically for design. They're that cool. Tim Cruikshank, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Mike. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's exciting. Um, I uh, just had my family over uh, for the 4th of July weekend. My mother-in-law, so my her son, my wife's brother, um, was a Marine, and he was in Afghanistan and served several tours. Um, and uh, so the military is pretty important to us. Um, I know the Marines are a little bit different than the Navy, but I think the Navy carried that. I don't know exactly. <laughs> well, my dad was a Marine, so I yeah. have great affection for them. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, yeah. my, my side of the family uh, is all U.S. Army. Um, my oldest um, son just graduated from Carroll College in Helena, uh, ROTC. Oh, He's going to be a second lieutenant. Yeah, good he starts for him. working at Fort Benning, not working, uh, serving, whatever, um, this next fall. Uh, he'll be in Georgia. Oh, outstanding. Yeah. You, cool you got to be so proud of him. Oh, big time, yeah. big time. Um, he actually per, uh, looked at the Navy for a minute, but the school that he went to uh, only had the Army ROTC program, so he went through uh, through the Army. Yeah. Uh, where I went to school at the University of Washington, although I didn't participate in ROTC, I think they had both the Army and the yeah. Navy. Um, ROTC programs there. Does that sound familiar at the at the UW? I'm not sure. Not not, sure. I'm not sure about that. Well, tell me a little bit about yourself. You were uh, retired U.S. Navy. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So can I get a little bit of the backstory? Yeah, sure. So I joined the Navy in 1990. Uh, started out enlisted. I was a SEAL corpsman, medic, and uh, eventually, you know, the Navy paid for my education and I got commissioned. Um, I ended up doing 25 years in the Navy and retiring as a lieutenant commander. I retired in 2016. That's awesome. Yeah. So do you, so you trained your, like, when we watched the movies and the YouTube videos of these guys up on the beach at Coronado, that was you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I was BUDS Class 182. Uh, I went through BUDS back in uh, 1991, 92. I graduated July of 92. And then my first duty station was SEAL Team 8 out in Little Creek, Virginia. Is that a big Navy base over there? Is that what that is? Little Creek is, it's a, it's a smaller base. It's NAB Little Creek. Uh, Norfolk is, you know. Well, that's I, where all the boats are. That's the big one, yeah. That's the big base. We're, okay. we're kind of small over there. Did you grow up around here? Yeah, grew up in uh, Federal Way. And then my parents moved up to Bellevue. Um, I went to Kennedy High School out there in West Seattle. The Kennedy Lancers. Yeah, I was a yeah, Lancer. Yeah, right. yeah, I know. 
big rise in football here the last few years. That's so. right. That's right. <laughs> My sons went to Eastside Catholic, and although they didn't play each other um, over the last several years, I think this next year um, there's a game on the schedule between uh, EC, another powerhouse, right? Yeah, my A. kids go to EC. Oh, did they really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. in uh, middle school or high school? Well, I just had one that graduated last year. She went off to college in New York. My son is going to be a senior this year, and then my daughter's a sophomore. How did we not connect this? My, I don't know. My third son was a senior. He was the ASP president, Jackson Smith. That's he's your the, son? He's the one that got up and oh, sang in front of everybody. My kids are great friends with Jackson. Oh, yeah. my word. How did I not connect yeah. that? Maybe that's where the that I don't is know where the Cruikshank came See? from. I was connecting it over the phone to a, a, a fellow that played football at the UW, but he has mentioned the Cruikshanks many times. My daughter name? and Jackson Jackson was in the play, right? Yeah, yeah. My daughter's Lauren. Oh my Cruikshank. gosh! Yeah. What what uh, role did she have again? Oh my god! What's it called? Uh, is this an Adams family? You're Adams about? family. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. What role did she have? She was the lead character, the Miss Adams. What's oh her my name? word! That oh was Lauren. Oh my gosh! Yeah, she's a uh, she's been in all kinds of the plays. Yeah, she was also in the um, I think. Oh, it was she's going to kill me play. for forgetting the name of it. Um, the one, the, uh, the Morticia. Yes, Morticia. She, she was Morticia. Oh my gosh! And my youngest is Sarah, and she was uh, she was in the play as well. She'll be a senior this this upcoming school year. So um, Lauren graduated last year, and she went off to New York. She's at Fordham. And then my son Cole um, is going to be a senior this year. Oh, I see. And then Sarah's a sophomore. I got it. Yeah. Okay, Morticia. Now, but she was also in um, one of the plays. Big uh, Fish. And yep. And then the one in between where Jackson played, I think. So uh, the Dr. Seuss one. Was it that one? There was a Russian. Um, oh, the Russian one, yeah. Oh, that was and, great. And your your daughter was the, one of the lead roles yeah. in that one, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she's so talented. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I can't believe that you. is hilarious. You're Jackson's dad. Uh, yeah. I, we love Jay. He's awesome. Oh, he's that amazing. makes me happy. Yeah, yeah no, he, uh, he's a good kid. He, he, he loved the program. He didn't enjoy the finish uh, with the pandemic stuff because he was all about being there on campus and one of the reasons why he wanted to be a part of uh, leadership and the drama program and all this other stuff was to, of course, be a part of it yeah. and not watch from the sidelines. Yeah. So he probably fell asleep through God. a couple of his classes there at the end. What a small world. But that's the Cruikshank. Yes. That's in the back of my mind. That makes me happy. Okay, so you grew up in Be uh, Bellevue, but you went to Kennedy, um, and then you enlisted. So enlisted, that means, if I'm not mistaken, that you went right, just kind of went to the recruiting office and signed up. That's right. Okay. That's right. And so did you know you wanted to be a SEAL from the beginning? No, I started out, I actually went to the Marine Corps recruiting office first. Uh, that was a long story. Because um, my dad was a Marine. But I remember he, my uh, one of my uncles was a Marine as well, and he talked about the SEALs in Vietnam, and I always had that in the back of my head. And, uh, you know, I went to the Marine Corps, and we talked about force recon and things like that. But um, I ended up, you know, going over and talking to the the Navy recruiter and, and learning more about that and you know decided that's that's what I wanted to do. When I went home, it's so funny, because I didn't really tell anybody in my family and I went home and we're sitting at the dinner table and I remember this, I, I said, hey mom, can you pass the potatoes? By the way, I joined the Navy and all the silverware dropped. It's like something out of a movie where the record screeches and everybody's quiet. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, go, by the way. Oh, by the way. And um, I joined the Navy the day after Christmas. So we had a full Christmas. And then the next morning, my dad drove me down. And I got on a plane. And I flew to boot camp, Orlando, Florida. Oh, my gosh. From Washington. Wow. Couldn't have, get for, couldn't have gone further away. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, so uh, then in the, in, in the SEALs, now just to make sure I understand, it's the, the BUDS program. Uh, again, a lot has been made. We're not trying to recreate the Navy SEALs training program. But this is the, the training where y you ring the bell if you quit. Right. Is that right? That's right. So this uh, probably the most intense training of any branch of any military in the world has got to be what you went through. Is that right? That's, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's fantastic. Yeah. So, so fast forward, you said you resigned, uh, retired as a lieutenant commander just a few years ago. 2016. Okay, yeah. so what have you been doing since? Well, um, I also have a degree as a, as a PA, uh, physician assistant, and so I work in medicine. When I first got out, I worked in kind of acute care, you know, trauma medicine, acute care type stuff. And uh, now I work in dermatology, which is a little, uh, a little less stressful. <laughs> yeah. That's so, awesome. yeah, I see derm patients now. Okay. In Seattle. Um, so you uh, were primarily a medical in the Navy yep. and uh, came back and you had a practice. But what we're here to talk about is this other cool thing that you've uh, started. Yeah. Um, and that is Bone Frog Coffee and Bone Frog Cellars. Is that right? That's right. Uh, there's so much I want to ask about this, but I'll start with this. Um, tell me about the significance of the name Bone Frog. So... For people that are listening to this, I think the most important thing to understand is, you know, when you go back to World War II and the UDTs, the underwater demolition teams, scouts and raiders, um, they were affectionately known as the frogmen of the Navy. They even made a, a movie out of it. Those are the guys on Normandy Beach in the South Pacific that were clearing the way for the Marine Corps. And I'm going to put this out there, Marines. Because you always say you're first ashore, but there was somebody there before you clearing the beach so you could get there anyways. So, uh, frogmen of the Navy. Um, a friend of mine, Keith Kimura, drew the bone frog just as a, a sketch uh, in the 90s. And when he passed away, it kind of became this symbol of those that gave their lives and died for our country and our freedom and our way of life. So much so that, you know, in the teams, you'll find pr probably half the guys have a bone frog tattooed on, on them somewhere in remembrance of one of their teammates that passed away. And when I created this company, we named it Bone Frog because of that, because of its uh, kind of sacred meaning and honoring the fallen and everything that it stands for. Um, I, I feel a calling or, or it's my duty to talk about those guys, and I put it on my website. There's a saying that we die twice, once when we stop breathing, and again when somebody says our name for the last time. And I, I feel, for me, it's important, having got out, we can all do a number of different things with all these memories and, and stuff from combat when we get out, right? For me, what I wanted to do is use that in a positive way to remember them, to keep saying their names, talk about these heroic things that, that they did because the sacrifice is so deep. It's not just the guys that died 
for a higher cause. They leave behind people that miss them every day, their, their kids, their wives, their families. And people, I think we, it's not that we don't care, but they, you know, people just go about their daily business and they just don't realize the depth of the sacrifice that these guys gave for our country. And, and I want to share that with everybody. And I felt the best way to do that was through coffee and wine, through our labels. When we sit down and we want to have a meeting, we're like, hey, let's meet at whatever coffee shop and have our meeting. Because it's, it's something to that brings us together so we can have these conversations and talk. And it's the same way with wine. When we get together with friends and we sit and have a nice dinner or meal and we share it over a nice bottle of wine. And it's not uncommon when we come in and we put our wine bottle down in the middle of the table and people just stop and they look at it and they want to know what it is. And we made it very simple on the front. It's just the bone frog and it says honor the fallen. And every single time they'll pick up the bottle, they look at it and they turn it over. And the other side is where we put our company name and our story. And it leads them to our website so they can learn more about what this is all about. Oh, I love that. I wrote down here in one of my notes, um, and I've made probably both websites, honestly, but you talk about the power of storytelling. And uh, that caught my attention because the honor of the fallen, um, what I've gathered, and maybe you can go a little bit deeper on it if you like, is this idea of, of remembrance, which you touched on a second ago, but um, of each of these um, individuals, men and women, who have given them, because you're, you're honoring the ones that, that died in combat or in the military service, is that correct? Right, yeah. yeah. And so the capturing their stories and recreating their, not recreating, but retelling their stories um, and making sure that we don't forget. Yeah. Is that essentially yeah. true? Yeah, yeah. Is there anything you want to add to that? Yeah, when yeah. I retired, you know, the Navy has these big, uh, fancy, traditional retirements. And during that retirement, I remember standing up there at the podium and I was talking, it was at Fort Bragg, I was at a joint command there, and we had an auditorium full of people, and there's people that came from different parts of my career that came to see me retire. And I remember as I'm giving my speech, I'm looking out at everybody in the eye, and, and I'm having these flashbacks of memories, shared memories in combat and different things with people, and the idea for this whole thing struck me right then at the podium, and when, when I was done, we went back to the hotel room. I told my wife I have an idea of what I want to do. And it, I, I have this image in my head of, you know, thousands of years ago, warriors would sit around a campfire after an epic battle or around a table and they would share wine and they would talk about what happened that day and the heroic things that people did and it's through that storytelling that we build history and we build legacies and memories that last forever that we tell to this day. And I feel like with these guys and the things that they've done, um, especially, you know, a lot of them are kind of top secret, but things are starting to come out that we can talk about. I want to tell their stories. I want people to, to know and to realize the, <laughs> the things these guys have done are, you know, it's like, something out of a, an epic movie or something, you know? And people need to know that, and I want to talk about it. I love that. Uh, I mentioned that my family was here, so my mother-in-law was telling a story about her son, and every a couple of times a year they go to 
of the the graveyard, the family graveyard in Snelling, California, mm-hmm. uh, where he was uh, buried. And um, they, there was another gentleman that was there just this past, I think, December, that just happened to be standing by the graveyard. Now, if you, I've been to the graveyard. It is really small. It is out in the middle of essentially a farm field. And there's, it's not like a military, you know, situation. It's just this is a family plot. Yeah. Uh, but beautiful headstone and all that sort of thing. But this one young man was, was just was hanging out around the stone. And so they said, can I help you? And they found out that this young man knew, his name is Matt, Sergeant Matthew Abate, uh, knew him. Uh, and, it made, and my brother-in-law made such an impact on him that he tracked down all these years later where he was buried and wanted to come all the way out to Snelling from, I think he lived in the, on the East Coast, just to visit his gravesite. Because um, my brother-in-law, again, I, and I never had met him, I met his uh, sister after the fact, but uh, he, had, he had a legacy of his own. Mm-hmm. And these uh, guys that were in his squad or patrol or troop, I can't remember all the right yeah. terminology, uh, keep talking about him and they come and they want to honor their fellow teammates. Yeah. Uh, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's those type of touching stories. There's a lot of things like that because the bond that, oh, the bond, the camaraderie that we have with with our brothers, our teammates, you know, we, we go through these, um, these very dramatic, uh, you know, life-ending Things, these experiences that we have together and it bonds us in a way that um, I think you oftentimes don't get in the civilian world just because of the, the experiences that we have and it's those experiences that will drive guys like that to fly from the what East Coast to the West Coast to go to a grave plot for the for the shared memories and sacrifices of, of a fellow teammate that died that but it has such a deep meaning to them uh, and what they shared together overseas and, and you touched on it but you can't it's hard to recreate that in any other facet of life yeah yeah, yeah. I don't drive hardly anywhere you don't go to the grocery <laughs> store anymore <laughs> well so <laughs> but it's those kind of things and it's the whole reason why we exist as a company um, for those very reasons and those memories and experiences and that kind of stuff you had mentioned uh, that um, coffee brings us together. Hey, let's meet for coffee, which we've all done, especially, um, you know, I'm in sales, I'm uh, a lender, and when I'm meeting new people, it's usually the easiest uh, barrier of entry to overcome is to, how about we get a cup of coffee, right? Um, so I imagine some of the social and some of the conversational comes out of that. Uh, but what i found is that a lot of people can get behind a good food product the first time because it's a cool story. But if they keep buying, coming back and buying it a second time, a third time, a tenth time, a twentieth time, um, it, a lot of times it has to go beyond the story and the coffee better taste pretty good too. That's right. So tell me about the coffee that's in the bag. Yeah. How that, uh, how the genesis of, of, of your roaster and all of that come about. Whatever you'd like to share with that would be awesome because at the end of the day, it was delicious this morning. <laughs> it's my cold brew. That's awesome. I want people to know about that. You know, I throughout this whole venture, my business partner and I, we keep saying that, that, you know, it's, there's a lot of divine intervention, I think. Just stuff happens. There's like, there's, there's no way that this is just coincidence. This was meant to be. And our coffee roaster is one of the iconic coffee roasters in this area. And 
we were fortunate enough to meet a gentleman by the name of Dave Stewart, who's the original owner of Seattle's Best Coffee. And if people are, you know, if you're from here and you remember back in the 60s and 70s, the epic battle between Starbucks and Seattle's Best Coffee, you know, this is still going on in the 90s, by the way, when I was in college. Oh, yeah. You know, it was amazing. And Dave Stewart, we, we talked to him about what we were doing, and he believed in this so much that he jumped on board to help us. And he roasts our coffee, but he's more than that. He's a mentor to us, and he works with us on our blends. And, um, you know, I was just a, a military guy, a, a nug. <coughs> that had been hit in the head a lot and you know now I come out and I want to start a coffee company and Dave has been there helping us all along the way this is a guy that's been roasting coffee for over 50 years and the learning curve was steep and um, he's been patient and he's helped us and uh, I couldn't be more grateful the coffee is excellent we have a great why we have a great purpose in what we're doing and we give back and all those kind of things but the community that I represent, we have to represent it with the highest, most the highest quality products, and I think we do. Um, the The coffee is really good, and when we see people that get on and they order a bag of coffee, they're dipping their toe in. They're just trying. Okay, we'll we'll support this company. We'll just try it, and then we see them turn around and order like a case of something. Then we know that we're doing the right thing, and it's the same way with our wine. We're really proud of the products that we have and the why we're doing it, but we're also very proud of the quality of, of our products. And people, you know, they see that when they uh, when they try them and then they order again because they love it so much. Oh, it's, like I said, it was delicious. I do the classic cold brew, 12 ounces, ground course, 24 hours steep. And then I usually, uh, it's a concentrate uh, yeah. in that sense. And then I... Add some water, uh, sometimes a splash of maple syrup and a little <sighs> bit of splash of milk. And that's my, um, I think somebody called it once, the uh, the maple death latte. That sounds amazing. That's <laughs> pretty good. That sounds yeah. amazing. Yeah, I love that. Um, okay, there's a lot going on in coffee, right? We have all of our hipster friends with the, you know, the short pants and the skinny jeans and the, and the ironic beards and the beanies. So there's all of that that is uh, going you know, super light roast and, and, and all of that. So I'm not trying to nerd out a ton on coffee, but I know a little bit about it. Um, what I feel about what's in the bag is something that reminds me, and I hope you take this in a positive way, um, the coffee of my youth in a good way. Like my, not my young, not yeah. my dad's coffee, yeah. but when I was first started drinking coffee when I was a college student and I learned that it helped yeah. me study for my finals. And I put time in at the big green machine. I worked at Starbucks. And those coffees were, were, at the time, there was nothing like it really that we knew about, right? Yeah. Dad's diner coffee was different. I'm sure the U.S. government's uh, coffee, <laughs> uh, you know, urn wasn't all that great. No, um, so but, uh, but this is, you know, it's dark, it's strong, it's, it's delicious. You can taste it. You're not yeah. trying to, like, um, you know, uh, deconstruct, you know, uh, some former experience. How, how would you compare your coffee to some of what's going on in the in the hipster uh, coffee climate. Yeah, coffee in itself conjures memories, right? When you smell your coffee and you're, you know, maybe it's here in the Northwest, it's fall and you're smelling your coffee and it's just, this, ah, makes, there's nothing like it, right? Coffee should be something that um, when you taste it, you get the full flavor of the bean, a high quality bean, but it also needs to have a smooth finish. 
And I think what we're finding nowadays out on the market is some coffees, and I won't say any names, some coffees maybe have a little bit of a bitter or burnt taste. We really pride ourselves on, on not having that, on having something that's rich and bold and smooth and s smells good. You just you want to drink more. I mean, even just the, the smell of the coffee in the bag um, is amazing. We're trying to be something different because of our why and who we are and what we support. But we're also trying to be a coffee that is, it's great to drink on a daily basis. It's not, you know, overly fancy. It's not $20 a bag. It is just a really good cup of coffee. It feels to me like it's a, it's a cup from the Northwest. You mentioned it conjures up memories. I still think of, um, for me, the ideal uh, is, you know, college football Saturdays exactly. at the University of Washington. Back when I was there, um, all the kickoff times were at 1230 in the afternoon. And so you wake up early and you've got the, the crisp air coming off of Lake Washington, right? The cold air. Um, the stadium is loud as heck because we were really good back then in the 90s. Um, and, uh, and that's when I first got into coffee. It was black. It was strong. It was delicious. I'm yeah. the lattes and mochas and all that other fun yep. stuff. But um, you, when you can open up the bag and it can take over the room that it's in, you're in a good spot. I agree. And it should be something. And I know a lot of people don't like drinking their coffee black, but it should be a coffee that you can drink black and enjoy it without having to cover up the bitter taste yeah. with something else, right? No, totally. Exactly. It's kind of like cold beer, right? You know, oh, you're going to serve... Uh, you know, this cheap beer is super cold, and we're going to make sure it's cold because it can cover up the fact that it doesn't taste very good. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but if yeah. you drink Guinness, my favorite beer, you drink it a little bit lukewarm. Oh, I love Guinness. It's perfection. It is perfection. Yeah. Yeah, the Irish always had it right. That's right. Always had it right. That's right. Um, I want to talk to kind of the same conversation uh, around, around the wine. We've been focusing on coffee. It's cool about the legacy uh, on the, you know, specifically in the Pacific Northwest of your coffee roaster and the partnership that you clearly have uh, strung, uh, put together with them. Yeah. Um, because again, delicious product. I, I assume there's something similar going on uh, on the seller side. Bone Frog Cellars is your wine label. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, there's at least three wines that you have, maybe yep. more. Um, but tell us about that. And are you using, and tell us about the connection to the Washington uh, grape uh, scene. Yeah, see, I love that. The coffee is one of those things that Washington State is known for. So is wine. Our The wine that is produced in this state is, I think, at a level now competing right alongside uh, the California wines. We, we produce some high-quality wines in this state. To say that the learning curve on coffee was high, but it was even higher on the wine, sitting down with our winemaker and taking notes and understanding the nuances. I even learned a new word for me, terroir. And it's a French word that talks about the effects of the environment, the air, the water, the ground, the minerals, the whole thing. I, I found absolutely fascinating because it's a, um, it's a combination of kind of science and art that come together. And when we would sit down and talk with the winemaker about um, the flavor profiles that we want and all these things and we you know they're keeping meticulous notes on the weather each day they they even write down the temperature when the grapes are picked 
the amount of water that's given to the grapes. And the one thing I, I absolutely love about the whole thing is um, the grapes, you get better grapes when the vines struggle. And, and I'm all about the struggle and we can all relate to that in our lives, right? What makes us better as human beings is the struggle and our perspective on life. And it's the same way with grapes and they produce the best wines. What you're talking about when the, the roots of the vineyards have to reach in further to grab onto the nutrition that they need to bear the fruit. And Yeah, exactly, yeah. and the water. They and only the water. give them enough water. You know, you look at where grapes are grown, they're grown in these kind of arid, deserty sure. areas, right? You wouldn't think Can't that... Can't grow them here in Bellevue. No, you wouldn't think that anything could grow over there, and it does. And they trickle the water, and they give them just enough that they're struggling to get more water, and it makes the... The grapes better. Um, we source uh, our juice from some of the oldest vineyards in the state. Dionysus, Connor Lee, Elephant Mountain, uh, Columbia Valley, AVA. Um, we age 18 months in French Oak. We work very hard to produce some of the best quality wine uh, in the state and people love it. And we wanted to have something that had a combination of you know, Walla Walla had been known for its kind of fruit forward, big fruit bomb. You know, it was very popular for a while, but we wanted to create something that had more balance in what we were doing, kind of uh, between Washington and kind of old world European uh, flavor profiles. And I think we nailed it. And, you know, when we just bottled our last Chardonnay, um, we had gone through the same process. Our, our winemakers and a bunch of them had been over in France and, and brought back a bunch of white wine. And, you know, th this is a process that takes years. And we sat down and we talked about what we wanted. And, uh, you know, we wanted to kind of steer away from the big buttery, oaky Chardonnay and do something a little bit lighter, crisper, that would be a good spring, summer, light Chardonnay that goes well with seafood and lighter dishes. So we went through the whole flavor profile. They brought their different wines that we tasted from France, and they were all the lighter types. At the end of this whole process, when they produced the wines and we're sitting around with the sommeliers and all the winemaker and everybody, and we're trying the wine, and everybody's going crazy. Oh, my gosh, it's got to be $35 a bottle and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We're going to price this so people buy it, so we build a customer base, and I want them to try this Chardonnay. It's fantastic. And... Um, it has everything that we asked for and so everybody's going nuts and I look at the winemaker and I, I, I go you nailed it and with just no expression on his face at all he goes yeah it's what you asked for <laughs> I'm just like oh my god how do you do this it's it's unbelievable and so we're super excited about our wines and and uh, just excited to get them out to people to try and it's just been so much fun are, so all the three wines, uh, they're single grape varieties, is that right? Or any of them blends? They're all blends. They're all blends. They're all blends. It's really hard, for, for example, to have a single varietal straight cab. Um, they're usually very, very high-end wines. It's because it's difficult to get what you're looking for off of a single varietal. Um, so they do have a... You know, it's predominantly a cab or predominantly a Merlot with a couple other things sure. in there. Yeah, I got it. But this is not like the Christmas blend of my, you know, in the old days where whatever grape juice doesn't exist. No, no, no. Just, no, no, no. It's all by design, which I exactly. Love. Yeah. Yeah. Anything that's added in is in very small amounts just to enhance the flavor. 
there's uh, a lot. Of, it's interesting that you're in coffee and wine together um, because of the, the conversation around single origin, single grape, things like that. And it seems like we, uh, the, the collective, have, have gotten kind of uh, off track a little bit thinking that this one coffee bean or this one grape is, and if we can get that right, that's like the most perfect thing you can do. When in reality, we've been blending for centuries. Oh, yeah. And blending is really the key to it, it really is. make it delicious. Yeah, you're um, right. I have a friend of mine who also is a coffee roaster, and he always uh, said that it, you you have to design um, things, you know, coffee, for example, to make it taste good with steam milk. Because it's one thing to drink it black, but then if you're going to sell espresso, shouldn't it also match with steam milk? And getting a single origin accomplish that. Yeah, it, you know, when we do, uh, so I learned all about cupping. Right. right, cupping, and so you know, for those that aren't familiar with it, you have these little cups of coffee, and you taste test all these things, checking for the quality and the flavor profiles of the beans and all these kind of things. But also, when you do this, you have to add in milk or cream or half and half, and you have to taste it in different formats, whether it's um, drip or espresso or latte or all these different ways. Um, and I will advise you if you ever do cupping not to drink every <laughs> single cup of coffee well, having too much caffeine oh my god I've done it twice I, I actually was dumb enough to do it twice and it um, uh, the amount of caffeine actually will it's overwhelming so usually you taste and then you and, this, and this is coming from a Navy SEAL who pushed himself to the oh limits my gosh. Uh, and uh, the cupping was probably you know <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> oh, God. Having a caffeine overdose is, is brutal. It's not good. I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, so um, the the coffee are, are blends um, and the wine are blends. Um, predominantly on the wine is a Merlot, uh, Cab, and a Chardonnay. Chardonnay, yeah. Got it. Yep. I love when you mentioned buttery. Buttery is actually one of my favorite adjectives to describe certain Chardonnays. Because yeah. there's just no other way to, right. to say it. Yeah. You know, dry, crisp, fruit forward. Like, you can say all that other stuff, but buttery or not buttery, that clicks, right? Uh -huh. Because yeah. we're used to that flavor. Yeah, yeah. So Chardonnays, you know, have been very popular as a really deep, rich, creamy, buttery, oaky kind of flavor. Um, and we're kind of steering ours a little bit away to more of a light, crisp. To me, it has like a ripe pear forward and then this summer fruit kind of back end taste very smooth very light goes well with everything and everybody goes nuts over it. it's really really good we had an event um here a few days ago where i made a bunch of homemade pizza outside of our patio it would have yeah. been really nice to have a bottle of that chardonnay here but i know where to get some yeah. <laughs> speaking of which uh, by the way, your marketing on both of these is fantastic. Thank you. I mean, it really is like nothing I've ever seen. Thank you. You know, bullet casings and, you know, the, the seals coming out of the water and, you know, and, of course, the coffee and the and the um, beautiful pictures of the Washington vineyards and the AVAs. And anyway, so kudos to whoever designed all that. Um, but, you know, where can people get these products? And your websites, yeah. I'm assuming, right? Yeah, yeah. But what going forward, where where do you want to? How do you want to reach people with both the coffee and the wine? So we are predominantly online, and it, it did work well for us, you know, because we're really only a little more than a year old. Um, during the pandemic, uh, ordering online I think worked well for everybody. 
we're starting to branch out into some restaurants and private clubs and things like that. We don't really want to be a brand that's in a grocery store, but we do want to be something that's, you know, uh, in restaurants, certain restaurants and uh, in private clubs. So, you know, if you want to order our coffee, uh, you can go to our website at bonefrog-coffee.com, bonefrog-coffee.com, or our wine, which is bonefrogcellars.com, and you can order right on there. And, and one thing we pride ourselves with coffee is when you order it, it's, it's roasted to order. So when you get your coffee, you know, it's probably going to take two to three days to get to you, but it was roasted two to three days ago. And there's a valve on the bag for a reason because it's so fresh that the, the bag would explode if it didn't have an off gas Release valve. the gas, yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, it's really good coffee. It's roasted to order and delivered right to your doorstep. If a restaurant wanted to serve that as part of their drip coffee program, a diner, a cafe, are you guys up for that as well? Yeah, and I, I'm going to throw out a restaurant right now. Francesco's up in Snoqualmie Ridge uh, has been a huge supporter of us. He has our wine on his menu and and serves our coffee. He even made a dessert out of our coffee, which is ridiculous. It's got the tiramisu whipped cream on top of it. It's got ice cream that has pieces of chocolate mm. and the coffee and oh. So go up and see Francesco. Definitely. And and try out the the bonefrog coffee espresso or you can get one of the desserts with that it's amazing and he is just a wonderful human being he was uh, in the italian army we we through conversations have learned that you know we trained at some of the same bases in italy and oh my gosh. just we have this connection that's just awesome so uh go see francesco and some oh, for sure yeah but and you're up for more of that uh, wholesale customers and so yeah, forth. Yeah, absolutely. Is that right? Yeah, we any, work with other people as well. Any desire to have your own cafe? We've talked about it, um, and I think it would go over really, really well. I think it would. Um, we're still growing really fast right now and trying to get our feet under us with what we're doing. But I think that's definitely something that's an option down the road because I think it would be really popular here. Totally. Yeah. And being uh, you're on the on the east side. Uh, any plans for a tasting room for the wine or anything like that? We have had long discussions about that. We were offered a spot up in Woodenville, and uh, you may see us even this summer. I'm not, sh I'm not sure. <laughs> wink, wink, maybe, hope I'm not hopefully. Sure. We're working on it. I love that. Yeah. I want to shift into, into kind of this last uh, formal piece. Um, all over your websites are um, links and, and imagery and stuff to some of the foundations that you're partnering with. Thank you. Yeah, um, one of the ones that really caught my attention, but I'd like you to touch on all of them, is Operation Military Family. I read about that, and um, as a father of someone who's going to go active here pretty soon, um, you know, it's amazing how quickly these things matter. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but tell me about that organization and some of the others uh, that you're getting behind through these products. Oh, it's so great! I'm glad you brought that up. My dear friend Mike Schindler runs well he started that um and what a tremendous human being up in up in edmonds he started operation military family to help uh veterans and families through their transition and the struggles that they have and they're real and you know they talk about them but you don't really realize until you get out 
Mike is doing amazing things. And if you get a chance to visit his website, please go there and visit it. He's also doing a, um, a big virtual um, event called VUCA that I would invite everybody to go check out. He's bringing in some of the biggest, biggest names in the industry. Um, he works on these for like six months and then he does these enormous summits um, virtually. And if you get a chance, please check out Operation Military Family. Look up VUCA, look up Mike Schindler. Um, I'm so glad you brought him up. It's, he's doing amazing things. I put people on my website because I want to, not only the foundations and who we support, but I also put other veteran companies on our website because I think it's important that you know we get out of the military, we all separate and go our different ways, right? It just doesn't make sense to me. The things that we were able to accomplish in platoons or task units, squadrons, we could accomplish amazing things together and then we retire or separate, we all go different directions. Doesn't make sense. So I am trying to get all these veteran companies and guys back together under one umbrella and I'm advertising them on my website just because, just because I, I, I think it's important that we help each other out. And for those that are brand new and separating, you know, I would hope that the guys that have become successful and know all these people and and have huge Rolodexes that they would open that Rolodex and reach a handout to the new guys just getting out to make that transition easier, right? Let's help those guys out and say, hey, what do you want to do? What's your passion when you get out? Let me help you and introduce you to the people that can help you become successful and help you give back to the, to the military or the communities or the disabled veterans or whatever it is you're passionate about. And then you do the same thing. You pass it on to the next generation. Um, that is my hope and my thought of that part of my website, which is called Focal Point. And I put all of our foundations that we support on there. I'm trying to cover everything from active duty and their families to kids and their scholarships to uh, disabled veterans or whatever it is. I'm trying to help everybody across the board. And my hope someday is that I'm holding one of those big, huge cardboard checks with lots of zeros on it. I don't know where to get those, but I want to, you know, the, the bigger we get, the more we can do, the more we can give back to help other people. And that's my purpose in creating this company and honoring their legacies and their memories. Uh, that's why we exist. And we want everybody listening to be part of it and to join the team and, and be part of this uh, purpose that's bigger than us, right? I love that. Um, or, so is it fair to say that a, a portion of the proceeds of both the coffee and the wine go to some of these foundations and causes yeah. and things like that? Yep, that's correct. Can I ask you one more thing about the about the charity side of veterans sure. stuff? You know, we um, it's let me say it this way: How can people who care about veterans transitioning back into society know that the causes that they are supporting, you know, are are sort of the the, the right ones? I know that sounds terrible to say it that way, but. 
it always seems like there's somebody grabbing money to help take advantage of of, of these men and women that have served our country. Yeah. Um, do you have any, and you don't have to have an opinion about it, but it, it, it's something that, that I know my family wants to get behind. It's something specific that helps specific people. Yeah. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? So I think, you know, if you do your research on different, we're not a 501c3c, yeah. we're actually a for-profit company, but we don't take salaries. Mm. At Interesting. all. We don't take salaries. We reinvest, everything that we make goes back into the company to grow the company and market and make new products so we can give back more. Um, you know, so I'll throw that out there for yeah, people, awesome. you know. Uh, so we're not in this to, <laughs> to make a fortune or make money for ourselves. We're in this to create something huge. It's not a company that we ever want to sell. It's not like we want to grow this and then sell it someday. We want to grow this and hand it down to the next generation uh, so they can keep doing great things with it, helping other people. That's what we stand for. And I think when you're looking at veteran companies or companies in general, you got to kind of do your research on them and and figure out why they're doing it, what they're doing, and how much money they're paying themselves versus helping others. I think that's big. There are some organizations out there that seem to be a touch top heavy. You know, there's a they're a little burly uh, in the upper executive council. Yes. Um, and uh, I like to see more uh, of the funds and the outreach and different things go to the men and women that need it to, yeah. as they transition back. I know that my dad, when he was in the army back in the '60s, um, you know, what his all I don't even remember exactly what he told me he did, but it didn't transition into real life. So for him, the the entry back into society was probably not as dramatic as a 25-year uh, veteran SEAL and multiple tours because he wasn't on any tours at the time. Um, but at the same time, there was this disconnect. Uh, here are my buddies. Here are my comrades. Here are my teammates. You know, all yeah. the words that we've used, you know, in this conversation. Um, and then, now what? I just show up at the local community college and go grab a couple class. I mean, really, that was some of the conversations. And then today, with so many troops um, and uh, soldiers on all branches of the military um, that have seen combat and are coming back into society, probably in a, a bigger need than it's ever been. You made the perfect statement, now what, right? So you get out after a long career, and honestly, you sit there and you say to yourself, now what? How do, I, how do I match, how do I beat, how do I compare my new life to my old life when I had a life with such purpose, such honor and commitment and, and all these things and these amazing people that I worked with, now what? What do I do? If guys are out there, women, listening to this and you're in that stage of your life that you just separated from the military and you're asking yourself now what find that purpose find the higher meaning something similar to what you had before but there's people out there that want to help you and you can reach out to us you can reach out to other veterans that are there for you that want to help you uh, be successful and find your purpose that's what I did um, I, you know, you could sit there and feel sorry for yourself, but I went and I found a subject matter expert who knew everything about what I wanted to do. And I made myself smart. And, well, <laughs> we'll find out. Then. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I'm doing air quotes right yeah. now. Um, smarter. And um, figured out what I was trying to do and then move forward with it and try to keep learning as I go. And those opportunities are out there for everybody. And I want to encourage people to to find that and to reach out. Don't be afraid to reach out to other veterans and just ask for help. We're, we're all there for you. We're all one team, one fight. And honestly, you know, want to help. I love that. I love that. Thanks for sharing all that. Can I ask you a couple of fun questions? Absolutely. Okay. Um, when you're scrolling through the TV, the cable lineup, mm -hmm. if you ever get a mm -hmm. chance, I'm sure a busy guy like you doesn't yeah. sit down very often. But if you do and there's a movie that shows up and you're partway through it, what's one movie that you always stop for even a few minutes, no matter where you land uh, in oh, the plot? Gosh. I love um, the old Clint Eastwood movies. I'm like a sucker for those. And so any Clint Eastwood movie, I, I would stop. Um, I love them. Yeah, they're, they're great. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. Uh, what's a skill um, that you currently don't have that you wish you could, you would have or could get to? Ooh. Okay, so right now, I really want to learn to build. Mm. I, I want to be more handy. And we're so, talking about wood and yeah, nails and yes. screws and things. Okay. Yeah. So we just built a house, and I am starting to work on it. Uh, you know, just little stuff, putting crown molding up and working on things and working with table saws, and I love it. I love it. So you I want to learn more. The about tactile. Building, yeah. and I'm doing the electrical and the plumbing and just changing fixtures and putting, sure. not anything major, you know. Just putting up light fixtures, and I love all that stuff. There's a sense of reward, right? Oh, when you see, like, so great. Yeah, it's like, oh, I've successfully turned off the power. I fixed uh, that outlet. I turned it back on. And guess what? I can plug something <laughs> in, and it works still. Whoa! Without burning the house down. Yeah, uh, we bought a, a, a small farm over a year ago, and uh, we have all that and more to do. And I've run out of time and skills. Uh, but at least I have a big shop that I can store the stuff and accumulate what I need to build and fix a few things. See, I love that. It's a lot of fun. I love it. Um, well, because I asked you in advance about Admiral McRaven, because from my um, um, William McRaven, that is, uh, U.S. Navy retired, Admiral, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, I have a book club that I do with uh, several uh, people that I do business with. Mm -hmm. And we read a book um, on the one month they, they kind of get a month and a half to read it and then we discuss it on the off month and yeah. then we'll tackle another yeah. one so i mentioned it to you before make your bed um but what is an author and so in the, in the spirit of that um who is an author doesn't have to be him uh or a podcast um or something like it that you really like or you always go to whether it's for fun or for inspiration or or knowledge what, yeah. what's one of those? Well, Admiral, Admiral McRaven's book, Make Your Bed, is actually a book that I gave my own son oh, uh, awesome. to read. Uh, I think that's important, and it's a great book, so get that book. Another one, ironically, sitting right here, I don't know if you knew this, but this, uh, our Sons of Valor blend, is a joint venture oh. with Andrews and Wilson. This is a book that was just launched June 8th. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so these two guys... Um, Jeff Wilson was a Navy surgeon and he was the command surgeon for a, a group on the East Coast with us. And understood. Yeah. And uh, 
uh, Brian Andrews was a nuclear submarine officer. Okay, so these two guys get together, super, super smart guys, and they start writing books. And I think this is their third or fourth series. They're killing it. They're crushing it. They're international best-selling authors. If you get a chance, and we, we, uh, we did this joint venture with them, and we're selling this coffee, Sons of Valor, to help promote their book, uh, their series, and um, they're doing amazing things. And so, is this like military fiction, like Tom Clancy, like, or it, is it? Yeah, it's true like, stories or. Oh, historical fiction. Yes, and you uh, never know. Yeah, got it. There, it's, so it's about seals <laughs> and it. stories, and they lived the life, and they know the people, and these are very accurate, uh, highly uh, in-depth, technical. I'm like, guys, this is this is the real deal right here. This is this is real. This so, is awesome. Sons of Valor. Sons of Valor. So it's Andrews and Wilson are the authors. This series is called Sons of Valor, but they've got other series that people love, and you can get them on uh, audiobook, or you can get the books, or just go check out their website. They're amazing, and they do the same thing we do with promoting other veteran businesses. And love that. Yeah, they're they're just tremendous human beings. So. Everybody's wow. got to go check them out. Didn't even mean to tee that up. No, that but you teed it up perfectly. Yeah, that's yeah, good. That was great. Last one. Is there a quote or saying that you, um, is on your desk or uh, sits behind you in your den or something, words to live by that you always come back to? Not that I put on my desk, but it's something that I repeat to my kids all the time, and it probably drives them crazy, you know, <laughs> dad. But I always say there's no such thing as can't, just an unwillingness to try harder. That's yeah. That's a mic drop, is what that yeah, is. Yeah, that's that's what I say, and it's true. We can do anything that we set our minds to um, if we surround ourselves with the right people, the right subject matter experts. We make our smart ourselves smart on things that we just maybe don't know a lot about. It doesn't mean you can't do it. You just have to have people help you learn how to do it, and. To be honest, really in special operations, it's the same way. Um, you become a jack of all trades because you have the initiative and the drive and the dedication to learn, to become an expert in a bunch of different things that makes you a better person and more valuable to your teammates. And what I always felt in my platoons is I didn't want to be the weak link, right? You don't want to be that one that just doesn't know something or maybe because you didn't know, and especially being the medic, I felt this tremendous responsibility for my guys' lives, right? I had to make myself smart because if I didn't know something or I forgot something and they died because I didn't spend that extra hour reading or whatever, um, and it's the same way with anything, whether you're working on an outboard motor or you're learning about your weapons or the, the max effective range or the muzzle velocity and the type of bullets that it uses and the scope and the this and that, you gotta know everything. You got to push yourself harder because your friends' lives depend on you. And it's the same way when you transition into being a civilian. There's nothing you can't do. You just got to push harder. And remember the saying that there's no such thing as can't. It's just an unwillingness to try harder. Wow. No, that's that's really really fantastic. And I think that um, any um, well, really, pretty much anybody that serves in a uh, in our military, I've. Um, Certainly grateful for their service, men and women. 
uh, there's a touch of extra inspiration from our special forces, Navy SEALs, um, with the Berets and some of the others. I can't remember exactly how, what all the groups are, but these men and women that have uh, done the extra training push themselves to the absolute limit, physically, mentally, mm-hmm. and probably emotionally, and come back the other side and, and come become great members of our community like you guys are doing, and started great companies um, that, um, you know, to wrap a ribbon around this entire conversation and continue to propel the story forward of these men and women and what they've done and how they've served and some of the lives that have been taken. Uh, but that their memories and what they've done are definitely not in vain at any level. Yeah. I think it's great. You had mentioned uh, bonefrog-coffee.com is one of the websites. Yeah, yeah. And they can get to bonefrogsellers.com through there and vice versa. Is that correct? Yeah. So, for example, if you go to our coffee website, there's a link um, on the banner on the top right. And you can click on wine and it takes you to the wine website. And you can toggle back and forth. They are separate companies, and so when you order coffee, it's a separate order from your wine because they come, they're sourced from two different places, the wineries in Richland, and and the coffee is on the west side of the mountains here, and so um, they are separate orders, but you can go back and forth. Fantastic. Is there anything else or any other place that we can go to get more information about um, all the great stuff you talked about today? Ah. Yeah, we do... Uh, we do events here locally. Um, we'll be out at Willow's Country Club here uh, next, not this Friday, but next Friday. And then we're going to have another one up at Newcastle, August 10th. Um, so we do local stuff. We sell out of, um, I'll, I'll do a little promo here for Security Gun Club up in Woodenville has a kiosk. They believe in what we're doing. And, oh, that's great. Uh, if you haven't been to Security Gun Club, go up and see those guys. Tom and John uh, own the place. It's one of the most amazing uh, gun ranges you'll probably ever see. <laughs> go see those guys and and check out our stuff up there. We're, we're in a bunch of different places like that um, that you can get our stuff, and we're growing every day trying to keep up with uh this growth that we've got is amazing. Um, but we ship to all 50 states, and we're super excited about it. And I will tell you, every time somebody orders, and I did this this morning, you know, we get an order for te- from Texas, and we say, thank you, Texas, and we <laughs> ship it off. And uh, thank you, California, and we ship it off. So every time your order comes in, we do a big cheer for your state. Uh, so just awesome. letting you know that. And I assume people can find you on Instagram and Facebook yep. and some of those types of yep. groups. Twitter, too. Facebook, Instagram. And one thing I've learned is that um, there's still power in an email newsletter. I imagine you do a lot of promotions and talk about your upcoming events through email. Yeah, so we're we're starting our newsletters now to, to promote some of our new products. And so we should be getting a newsletter out here now about our Chardonnay, which we just bottled. Uh, and that will be going out to our customers. Um and updating them on the Chardonnay, so we're super excited about that. Love it. Tim Cruikshank, I appreciate you taking time. Thanks for being here with me. Thank you so much for having me. I really had a good time and and, uh, just happy to be able to share this message with uh, all the listeners out there. Really grateful. Thank you. Appreciate it. Cool. And that wraps up another episode of Irish Mike's Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. For my interview with Tim Cruikshank, retired U.S. Navy SEAL as well as founder of Bonefrog Coffee 
and Bonefrog Cellars. Fantastic coffee and wine labels here in Washington State. For more information on where you can buy his wine as well as the coffee and support some of the great veterans' causes, please head over to irishmikesmith.com forward slash podcast dash bonefrog.